everybody. Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group. To prepare for our Big Book Study, let's get focused by having a three-minute moment of silent meditation followed by the fog light prayer. Good evening, everyone. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Rob. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Chris. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to start the meditation in just a minute, so take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise or will distract others for the duration of the meeting. The coffee area will be closed for this portion of the meeting so as to minimize distractions. And also, if you could, please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. For the meditation, some suggestions are to focus on your breath and posture. Breathe in God and breathe out self. Take this time to get reconnected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you focus on the study tonight. All right, now if everyone's ready, we'll go ahead and shut the doors and bring the lights down. All right, see you in a few minutes.
Join us in the fog light prayer. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. And we have a secretary here at this meeting. That's Tanisha. Should we bring her up? We should. Okay. Hi, my name is Tanisha, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hi, Tanisha. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states, every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. And I've asked Rick to read the recovery statement. Clap it up for Rick. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. My name is Rick, and I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Rick. Recovered. Um, we are not cured of alcoholism, recovered, but not cured. That, pres- that presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsible, responsibly. Uh, we are not cured. The, the al- allergic reaction to alcohol, is- alcohol will remain with us for a lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in the mind rather than in the body. Page 23. We are now saying where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Great. 1940-style big book sponsorship from forward to second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sobered at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, came to believe, and experienced is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. To my right, we have CDs, mugs, large print big books, the little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale. We also have a point of sales um, transaction with the square. Uh huh. We swipe and we manually enter, along with Venmo and um, Zelle. Zelle. And you can see for that. And. Um, Along with that, we also take our donations through those forms of transactions, right? So we meet every Monday promptly at 7.15. Some of us show up at 5.30 for a setup and 6.30 for worship. And we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the Road to Recovery tune. See you next week. Right. From the forward to the first edition of Alcoholics Anonymous, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book 
and of this group. From there is a solution, also from the big book. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. This is an open meeting, and as such, all who have an interest in alcoholism in our program of recovery are welcome. Because this is an open meeting, you need not identify yourself nor your reason for being here if you do not wish to do so. Your anonymity will be protected. We ask that you protect ours. On the topic of anonymity, I heard that this meeting is actually podcast on the World Wide Web. Is that true? Ooh, that's so fancy. It is. Okay. So if you don't want to be on the internet, then just go ahead and pass that mic. We have a portion of the meeting where we pass the mic around. We do a question and answer. Just disguise your voice or pass that mic when that time comes if you don't want to be on the internet. And if you do, then great. We're happy to have you. Awesome. Hello to all our internet friends. Uh, Can we have a show of hands of people joining us for the very first time? All right. Welcome. And then a show of hands of recovered alcoholics. Here we go. All right. While this is an open meeting, membership in this group is limited to those who wish to recover from alcoholism and have a desire to stop drinking for good and all. Each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is a potential sponsor of a new member and should clearly recognize the obligations and duties of such a responsibility. Did anybody make it past security without a big book? It is a big book study. We would like you to have a book. Just raise your hand if you need one. All right. Good job, security. Before we begin our study of the big book, usually we review traditions. Do we have our traditionist here this week? No, we don't. So we're going to skip on past that tradition. But if you're interested, they're on page 562 in the Fatty Patty big book and 177 on the skinny. I like it. In order to help us stay focused as we study the big book, we use the big book study guide prepared by Joe and Charlie and Krusty Cliff of the Dallas Primary Purpose Group. All right. So who do we have reading tonight, Rob? Uh, I believe it's Grace. Grace. Welcome. Tonight, go right ahead. Tonight we are going to begin the reading on uh, page 11, but the questions are going to start at the top of Actually, the middle of 12. Okay. After the pages are read, we're going to ask questions. Uh, like I said, starting on page 12, the answers will be one sentence unless otherwise specified. And multi-part questions are simply a one-sentence answer split up by commas, semicolons, hyphens, and other fun bits of punctuation. Basically, in English, what that means is we're going to read the material once through and then redissect the information a second time through the question and answer format. Notice how the language in the questions gives us a new light in which to consider the study material. This is important because hearing the question and rereading the content offers a definite way of comprehending the material covered. After we've completed the page, we open up for comments, questions, and observations based on what was just read. If you have spiritual experiences with this information, you are free to share. However, big book study is not therapy. Should you begin sharing about topics which are more appropriately discussed in a different, i.e. sponsorship setting, please do not be offended when we cut that conversation short. For that purpose, we have fellowship meetings before and after our study time. Uh, You can never go wrong by commenting on the page, which brings us to the words of one of the co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous, sobriety, freedom from alcohol, through the teaching and practice of the 12 steps, is the sole purpose of any Alcoholics Anonymous group. And did we just kind of randomly pick page 12 to start on tonight, or was there some sort of rhyme or reason to that? No, there was a rhyme and a reason. There was a grand design behind it all, and that is that in the book, we started at page zero in the beginning. Who here in this room has been with us since the very beginning of this big book study? That's a, that's a good, give yourselves a hand. Yeah, that's commitment. All right, so we've been here for, how many weeks has it been? Quite a few weeks, right? A lot. Twelve. 
12 weeks, so we did about a page a week right now. And we started in the preface in the forward. So we started at the very beginning of the big, I don't know if that's even true, but hey, what no, there's a lot we can of, go back. There's a lot of Roman numerals <laughs> and things that happened yeah, before. Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's, more, okay. So <laughs> preface in the forwards of the big book of AA, we talk about the history. If I'm going to be going to AA meetings for the rest of my life, let's say I'm new and I'm cracking this book to do the program of recovery, I'd probably want to know the history of what this all started for, and they talk a little bit about the program of action and what that looked like, and Dr. Bob meeting Bill Wilson and all of this, and uh, the founding in June 10th, 1935. That's our Founders Day, and supposedly that's Bill or Bob's last drink. And then um, after the preface and the forwards, the AA history portion, we get into another really cool section of the book. That's right, and that's the doctor's opinion, also found in the Roman numerals. And the doctor's opinion, uh, we get introduced to the idea of what this disease is that we have. We already have some sort of an idea from reading the, the preface and the forwards, but the doctor's opinion um, is with the input of Dr. William D. Silkworth, who was uh, directing one of the largest and oldest uh, addiction and alcoholism treatment um, hospitals in the nation back in the 1930s. And his experience and his theory was that we have an allergic reaction to alcohol. We are bodily different than our than our fellows in that regard where you know how it translates to me when i pick up a drink i get really really thirsty right and we get to um learn about the the disease is actually threefold we have that physical allergy but we also have this mental obsession that keeps us going back to that drink uh and we have this spiritual malady you know for me i either need a lot of god or a lot of alcohol and we get introduced to that idea here And then after the doctor's opinion, we get to see this disease in action. What does it look like if I have alcoholism? Well, we get to identify with Bill Wilson. He's the one that wrote the book. He's the one that wrote Bill's story. And so far in Bill's story, we've seen him start off as a stockbroker, be a successful person, actually one of the pioneers of value investing in the 20s when people were just speculating on stocks. He was going out and looking at the properties. Um, He became an investigator for a surety company and he got options and he got rich and then he ended up living toward the end of things things gradually decreased the market crashed he went to live in canada with a friend his friend in canada kicked him out lois and bill went to live with his his wife's parents and then one of them died i don't remember which one do you remember which one of lois's parents died i don't I'm okay just but one thinking of, them. of the the fight with the taxi cab driver yeah. <laughs> that's always you know He's oh, his mother-in-law. Okay, so it's just the father-in-law. He's down to one in-law and one wife, and she's coming home exhausted to find him drunk. And then Ebby calls, and that's kind of where we are today in our study. Tonight in our study is where his old drinking buddy and old friend, Ebby, who Bill said, you know, if I ever get as bad as this guy, then I know that I have a real problem. But this guy is sober, and it had been years since Bill could recall him coming to New York in that condition. He wondered how he did it. So let's see what their conversation looked like and, and how it unfolded. I love it. Yeah, so here's, here's sober Abby sitting in front of Bill. Um, he, he had already told him that he found religion, and, and he's just like floored at this point, and they're going through this conversation and what that looks like. So we're going to tee it up on page 11 on uh, had this power originated in him. My name is Grace, and I'm a recovered alcoholic. Hi, Grace. Hey, Grace. Had this power originated in him? Obviously it had not. There had been no more power in him than there was in me at that minute, and this was none at all. That floored me. It began to look as though religious people were right after all. Here was something at work in a human heart which had done the impossible. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. Never mind the musty past. Here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. He shouted great tidings. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped a new soil. 
Despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me the vestiges of my old prejudice. The word God still aroused a certain antipathy. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this, I, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens, however loving his sway might be. I have since talked the scores of men who felt the same way. My friend suggested that what then seemed a novel idea, he said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? That statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. I stood in the sunlight at last. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. I saw that growth could start from that point. Upon a foundation of complete willingness, I might build what I saw in my friend. Would I have it? Of course I would. Thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. At long last, I saw, I felt, I believed. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. The real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And so it had been ever since, how blind I had been. At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of deli delirium tremens. There, I humbly offered myself to God, as I then understood him to do with me as he would. This thing is, okay. Um, to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away, root and branch. I have not had a drink since. My schoolmate visited me, and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. We made a list of people I had hurt or toward whom I felt resentment. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals, admitting my wrong. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Never was I to pray for myself, except as my requests bore on my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive. But that would be in great measure. My friend promised when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. Belief in the power of God, plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. Simple but not easy, a price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. I must turn in all things to the Father of Light who presides over us all. These were revolutionary and drastic proposals, but the moment I fully accepted them, the effect was electric. There was a sense of victory, followed by such a peace as I had never known. There was, a utter, there was utter confidence. I felt lifted up, as though the great clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. God comes to most men gradually, but his impact on me was sudden and profound. For a moment, I was alarmed and called my friend, the doctor, to ask if I were still sane. He listened in wonder as I talked. 
Finally, he shook his head, saying, Something has happened to you. I don't understand. But you had better hang on to it. Anything is better than the way you were. The good doctor now sees many men who have such experiences. He knows that they are real. While I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in turn, might work with others. My friend All had... All right, we're going to stop there tonight. Right. Thank you, Grace. And the uh, questions... All right, we're going to start at the first full paragraph on 12 with Despite the Living. Uh, did seeing this miracle change Bill's idea about God? Despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me the vestiges of my old prejudice. What word did Bill definitely dislike? The word God still aroused a certain antipathy. How did the idea of a personal God affect Bill? Two sentences. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. Did Bill continue to cling to the agnostics' views? I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a star of the heavens, however loving his sway might be. As time passed, did Bill find others who shared his ideas of God? I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. So we're going to open up this paragraph that was just read uh, for any comments, questions, experiences. Does anyone have anything on, on the page 12, top paragraph? You know, a friend of mine actually read Bill's story uh, this weekend with a friend, and he had, he had something interesting to say about vestiges. And he was saying, like, uh, a vestigial append- like an appendix, it's a vestigial organ. It's something extra that's not needed. It's not used anymore. So the vestiges of Bill's old prejudice, these are the remnants of his old ideas and beliefs and conceptions that he held on to, even in spite of this miracle that sat directly across the kitchen table in the form of Evie. So that was a pretty cool uh, little gem that, that my friend laid on me this weekend. That was cool. Nice. Yeah. Anybody else have anything on the, uh, the page 12? Okay. Should we move on? We got the big one next, yeah. Uh, when Ebby realized Bill's predicament, what did Ebby suggest to Bill? Two sentences. My friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Boom. Mic drop. This paragraph is now open. Or comments, questions, experiences, <laughs> thoughts, ideas, snide remarks. So we, we have to remember that at this point, Ebby is coming to Bill as a member of the Oxford group, which uh, in the Oxford group, you had to accept one particular Lord and Savior in Jesus Christ. In order, You had to say that you believed in order to be even considered being brought into the Oxford group, which for me, if, the, if we made that same requirement as part of Alcoholics Anonymous, I would have never ended up here, right? So here's, here's Abby realizing, like, he's, he's talking to Bill. He knows him. They're old buddies, and he's, he's going through these, these inner struggles, and he's like, you know, he's just trying to get through to him with, like, all right, let, let's open this up. Let's, let's get through, and why don't you choose your own conception? And that's when it really hits him. Mm. 
And I, I think so many of us, I, I can only speak for myself, but um, I have this idea of God and God's somebody that I'm mad at. You know, it's like this force that either doesn't exist or if there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. That's a different part. And that's in we agnostics. And he says, uh, you know, if there was a devil, he seemed the boss universal. So he's kind of back and forth. Right. But my conception of God was not something favorable. It wasn't something benevolent and nice that wanted good things for me. And so it kind of gets around that by saying, hey, you can choose any conception you want, man, as long as it makes sense. And it's like, all right, well, I'll choose somebody that likes me. All right. And then it's like, surprise. <laughs> it turns out he actually did all along. But uh, Yeah, like any of the things that he mentioned in the previous paragraph. It's like, oh, I can get down with that. All right, cool. Anybody else have uh, experiences with this or want to share? We got a question. Sure. I never really clarified that to me before. All right. Um, for instance, whenever uh, at the end of a group, you always, everybody gathers together in a circle and prays as Christians. You ever notice that? It's a Jewish prayer. Okay, it's a Jewish prayer. All right. So the original Christians, before they became Christians. Yeah, I know. But no, it's just the idea that if you actually believe in the God of your own understanding, then, then that's kind of a little bit universal to one, you know, to one particular uh, belief system. I was just kind of curious about that. That's all. Yeah, does anyone know the history of how that became a part of our normal AA meetings? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know, not every meeting says that, right? Like we have, we have these tradition. You got something, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. We got a fourth tradition. It says every group's autonomous. Um, so except in matters concerning AA as a whole. So there's groups that, I mean, we say the fog light prayer, as far as I know, we're the only group that says that prayer. It's not a Christian prayer as far as I'm, I'm aware, you know, so we have these traditions. And then again and again, it says in this book, we can choose whatever conception of God we want. It talks about Hindus, Jews, Muslims, and a sprinkling of Buddhists earlier on in the preface and the forewords. We got this, uh, n- nifty little handout here you can use any conception so nobody's trying to push anything and actually there's not any requirements for membership too sure yeah there's a reason why i was i mentioned that in the first place is that my biggest problem i've always had with aa is it always felt like i had god forced down my throat sure you know so that's the one thing i really didn't care about it and it took me the longest time to actually uh to wrap my head around the whole aa group thing you know because i i was just pushing away from it the whole time because of that you know that's why I don't, like, I don't like holding hands and praying either. When I pray to my God, I like to be alone. I mean, I don't know if everybody feels that way, but that's just me. I usually, as soon as the meeting ends, I leave the room. Nobody wants to hold hands, hug, pray, and all that. That's fine. It's just not my thing. <laughs> yeah, we, we've, never, we've never held hands at this meeting. I'm just saying, it's just, it's just yeah. me. I mean, because almost all the AA groups I've been in have all been the same way. You know, so this, you guys are the only ones I've ever heard say that prayer before, too. I've yeah. never heard that before. So, Cool. Yeah, I think a lot of the stuff, you know, has been passed down, but each group, you know, can change it as they see fit. And uh, and I don't think you're alone in feeling that way. Uh, And I've heard a lot of people share that same resistance to to that prayer in particular. Hi, I'm Lexi. I'm a recovered alcoholic. What's up, Lexi? I can speak to some of the things that you just said because I, I think I felt those things in the beginning as well. And I think that I was really thankful for this paragraph being in the being in there and so close to the beginning because it doesn't really tiptoe around it, you know, it doesn't try to skirt it. It's like, look, it straight up made me feel uncomfortable. I had old prejudices. I wasn't necessarily comfortable with this idea. And for me, when I first came into the rooms, A, I wasn't willing to say that I was an alcoholic and B, I wasn't willing to say that I knew God, you know, and in the beginning, like I didn't, I wasn't forced to say I'm an alcoholic because if I was, it would feel inauthentic and ungenuine at the moment. And and in the beginning, I wasn't 
entirely sure to say I know who my God is. And if I, if I was, you know, I could have gone through this whole program in a really unauthentic and genuine way. And even someone who's like known God in the past, when I started working these steps, I kind of left that at the door for a second and just in the very beginning use that as AA in a whole. And I'm sure there are tons of things that you've heard along the way that you can use, but even AA as a whole, there was this big group of people that a, a miracle was working inside of them. And if that wasn't something higher, you know, that I could hold on to. I'm just saying there are ways around it for sure, but I definitely get what you're saying and thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Lexi. We'll edit no, one of the things that I had a problem with is exactly what you're saying. If I would have said, one, that I was an alcoholic, and two, that I knew exactly who God was and I believed in that God, I would have been lying about both. And one of the things that you learn in AA is you have to be true to thyself, right? That's one of the teachings. Exactly. So how could I openly admit that I was an alcoholic or I knew who God was and believed in God when I didn't? I would have been lying right off the bat before I even learned anything about the book mm. or what it's about. So that was, my, that was my biggest thing, too. I never wanted to admit I was an alcoholic. I learned to in time. I never wanted to admit to the whole God thing. But I did, as it says in the book, you know, to a God or about a God of my understanding. You know? So it, it's, it's gotten a lot easier for me since then. It really has. So. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for sharing. I got, I got yeah, it. Right thank here. God for the traditions that, that keep this open to everybody. When I came in, recovered alcoholic Mike Chase. Hey, Mike, Mike Chase. Chase? And this is the part of the book where we're, we're challenged by looking at Bill's reaction to the God suggestion, to the Jesus Christ suggestion that sent him off saying, no way, buddy, I'm out of here. Get the heck out of my house. When I came in, I didn't have a problem with God. I didn't have a problem with Jesus. I had a problem with the people who were representing him, the people in the churches, the people on the streets, the people who were definitely out to burn me in hell for the rest of eternity and push me and fire me and do all kinds of stuff in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's the people I was pissed at. <laughs> then I realized I don't have to go to that God, that I was able to choose my own God. And, and this is what this whole thing is, is just slowly allowing me to look at some of my old ideas. Like my sponsor once told us somebody who told somebody who told somebody, why don't you go back to your church of birth, check it out for a few sessions and leave as an adult from an adult perspective. Mm. See, all the, all the ideas I had when I came in at age 24 were based on a three-year-old to seven-year-old to Star Wars and a bunch of weird, crazy, diddly-doo stuff. And my conception of God was so messed up, I had no idea. But by having this book and allowing people to sort of come to my own understanding, we don't do the white chip in this meeting. Because we want people to think about it for a while. I know people, the first time they go to an AA meeting, it's like, dude, go get your white chip. Go get a white chip. You're an alcoholic. Go get and it's like, yeah, they go get a white chip, and they're not ready. We don't force people in. We shouldn't be forcing people into AA to admit you're alcoholic when you're not ready and choosing a God when somebody else is. So I'm a recovered alcoholic named Kelly. Hey, Kelly. <sighs> okay, so I, like Mike, you know, had a real problem with the people that represented the church, because I was all mixed up. I was Catholic, Baptist, Presbyterian, Agape, whatever you want. Um, but the thing is, is that when I came into the room, I was desperate enough for change that I was willing to take any suggestions. And I was told to pray. Not to who. Prayers were suggested to me. 
So I did that. I really had no idea who I was praying to, but I was just that desperate. And I know for me and for lots of other women and even some men that I have dealt with, just by simply taking the suggestion of prayer to a greater something in charge, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, because I can't even tell you what God looks like. I don't have an idea. But I do know through personal experience that those prayers that were suggested to me, I didn't really care who he looked like or what he did. I didn't care. I just was willing to try. And when I was willing to try, slowly but surely, the obsession became lifted. My mind started to ease up a little bit on my own self because I was taking a baseball bat to myself left and right, left and right, left and right. And the only thoughts that would come to me were really negative, bad, nasty, self-hating thoughts. So I took that suggestion of that third step prayer. And again, I didn't have an idea of what this man looked like or woman or whatever, the entity. No idea. I was just in enough pain to try the prayer. And it works. And that's all that I can say to you. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a way of living, a design for living, that will reveal itself to you if you try. That's it. So, yeah, and that's just my personal experience, you know. And it works, and it works on a daily basis, and it works sometimes on an hourly basis. So I, I don't know what God looks like. I, have, I don't even care. I just know that it works, and it doesn't only keep me from drinking. It keeps me peaceful mm. and serene and sometimes even happy. <laughs> you know? So I, I really can understand. I wasn't told to choose my own conception of God because I did not relay any misgivings about it. But I didn't know what I was praying to. I was just willing to take the suggestions. And when you can take the suggestions without really trying to break it down and intellectualize it and just try it, it works. Thanks for sharing. Hey, got Tanisha here. Oh, this, is, this is a hot paragraph right now. <laughs> Uh, Tanisha, recovered alcoholic. Hey, you know, Tanisha. While we're all sharing, you know, what this power greater than ourselves is, you know, when I came into the rooms, you know, I just knew that I had a judge that was bigger than me. And I didn't have, and I had laws and rules, you know, that I had to follow that were bigger than me. You know, and if I didn't follow these rules or the laws of the land, I would end up incarcerated, you know, against my will. And, you know, I got tired of that life and, you know, I knew I couldn't beat the judge, but I needed some kind of force that was going to have my back. And that's all that took me into believing in a power greater than myself, because, you know, it came to a point where I was just like back against the wall, had no choice, was pinned down. I had to surrender, you know, and I just wanted my situation to get better and I wanted freedom. And um, that's all that, you know, it took for me to just to believe in, in sunlight of the spirit. Simple, you know, like I, I 
And, you know, it, it sucks, but when it went dark at night, I was like, where's the sun? Like, okay, the moon is the other sun, you know, because it lights up the night. And I was really fighting the God that, you know, everyone, you know, not everyone, but, you know, most people were like this thought of, you know, God and Jesus and all you know, and I was really trying to go on my own, but as I became more and more comfortable with just a power that's greater than me, that can handle more than what I can handle, that can, you know, have my back when temptation comes around and, you know, miraculously, you know, send someone to dial my number and call me at a time where, you know, they had no clue of what I was going through. You know, those little God moments, I just ended up, okay, power greater than myself. I'm just, okay, good orderly direction. Just be a good person. Smile. Stick out your hand. Shake other people's hands. Introduce yourself. These commonly things became now new to my life and became my new normal. You know, before my life was nothing else but habit. And, you know, the way I communicated and talked to people, you know, it all of a sudden changed. You know, it's like I no longer did things for you because I wanted something out of you. It was genuinely from my heart. And how was that heart constructed? Just by someone else being kind and loving to me. And, you know, slowly but surely, you know, it's like the Grinch. All of a sudden, my heart started beeping. And, you know, like I was, you know, full of joy. And I want to give back all the presents that I had stole, you know. <laughs> and it's true. That's pretty much, you know, how I viewed it. And, and, and it's just a great thing. It's just being a genuinely, you know, good person. And, you know, when you finally, you know, tap into that realm you know, of the spirit, um, it just flows through you. It's something, it's something that's like, it's an experience. Yeah. Whatever you, you got, you better hold on to it. Especially if you got that part, because it's something that, that you can't buy, you know? So thanks for letting me share. Thanks for sharing. Barbie recovered alcoholic. Hey Hey Barbie. So in the beginning, I struggled so much with the God thing. I, I wasn't willing to sit there and admit that there was this almighty, powerful creator that, you know, that loves me. Um, so in the beginning, what I had to do was I had to use, like they sit there, it says like in the, in the 12 and 12, it talks about how like we can use the group AA in, in a whole. So I had to use that group of drunks and realize that like that group of drunks was God until I was able to come up with my concept of God. Um, because I wasn't, I wasn't even like, I was shattered. I came in through, you know, this last time around, like I came in because like I had lost everything. I lost my children and I had like no choice to try something because I tried everything else. And it wasn't until like even one person like pointed out to me that I had like this victim mentality and that I should pray. And then I'm like, what am I praying to? You know, like I pray because all these smiley faces, like these smiling, glowy faces of like these people in the, like at these meetings, like I wanted that, you know, why can't I be smiling? Why can't I be glowing? But like that pain of like feeling like that I am the victim and somebody actually pointing out like, how dare you point that out about me? 
you know, but like that pain inside that made me finally like hit my knees. Cause I remember like I got the sponsor, but I thought a sponsor was supposed to just like listen to your problems. And, and she said, <laughs> and she said, you needed to read a lot of page four, 417 Barbie, but more importantly, you need to say the third step prayer. And like, I hit my knees and I said that prayer and it wasn't immediately, but like that pain that I felt like it started to, to lift. And I started to understand like what these people, you know, like as an initial, like these happy glowing faces, I thought they were on something and they weren't sharing. That's, that's initially what I, you know, what I really thought was like, how are they using successfully? Cause they're using successfully and somebody's not showing me how to do this. And, you know, but I wasn't ready to recover, but I was willing you know, so, like, at the end of the day, you don't have to be ready to, ready to recover, but you do have to be willing. And, like, that just all goes on with that concept, your own concept of God. Whether it's the universe, whether it's the sun, the moon, that group of drunks, like, as long as you get it and you just pray to it, that's all that matters. That's all I got. Thanks for sharing. We got Grace up front at the podium, and then we got Jess back here. Grace, what's going on? I'm Grace. I'm a recovered alcoholic. What's up, Grace? Grace? Um, so, when... I came in, well, I'd been in the rooms long before I was ready. Um, some of you may know my parents are in the rooms in another state. And so I've been going to meetings since I was first caught using when I was about 13. Um, and um, I am also formerly, I was raised Catholic. And when I was about 11 or 12, I felt so strongly that that was not what was for me, that my dad had me write a three-page list of all the reasons why I didn't want to be Catholic. And um, I had to discuss it with the priest, and we stopped on number three, which was the gay marriage issue. But that was just me, and I thought that God was judgmental and sinning, and, and that I would be condemned to hell just for because of the way I felt. And um, but when I came into these rooms, I like crawled into these rooms. And um, my home group is Our Lives Are on the Line, 7 o'clock, East McNabb, Saturday night, called, um, and we study the stories in the back of the big book. And um, I had never really gone back there, um, except for maybe a couple places, obviously the acceptance prayer, the resentment prayer. But on page uh, 538, there's a short paragraph, um, three sentences that just fully describes, like, my experience coming to believe in a power greater than myself. So it goes, um, it's the first full paragraph. The fact that AA is a spiritual program didn't scare me or raise any prejudice in my mind. I couldn't afford the luxury of prejudice. I had tried my way and had failed. Um, so that is like the paragraph that I re personally relate most to. Like I go hard for this paragraph. I love this paragraph. I share it with all my sponsees. Um, and I just, when I came into the rooms, I knew that I had no other option than to um, take suggestions and do this program the way that it is outlined in the book, not the way that I wanted to do it. And um, I don't, I, I can't physically see my God other than through other people. I don't know what they look like. It's a man or a woman or a spirit or what. I just know that when I pray, you know how when you are venting to somebody and you can tell if they're listening or not. And if they're not listening, they're like, uh-huh. Damn, that sucks. Oh, really? And they're, like, not very interested. They're checking their phone. They're looking at their watch. You know what I mean? And some the difference between that and, like, a sponsor or a friend, like, really listening to you and caring about, like, your issues and, like, adding input and things like that. That's how I feel when I pray. When I pray, I feel heard. And um, that's how I know that, um, that God is real for me. 
So thanks for letting me share. Thank you thanks for, for sharing. sharing. Is it working? Okay, there it I'm is. just coming. I'll call it. Okay, yeah. so I don't know. Um, gee, the word God is to me what it is, but then there's also gift of desperation, and that's a lot what Kelly was talking about. You know, she received that gift. You know, when nothing else fails, and when you hit that, you know, bottom, to the fact that you know you're willing to do whatever the suggestions are to get what that teacher has and your surroundings, your fellowship, your, you know, the meetings, people at the meetings and you come in and you smile and like, wow, I want what they got. So there's this other wise teacher that taught me about, um, when you get into this third step and well, actually not even that in an agnostic, um, where you actually, as a step work, you know, as an assignment, you go around to different spiritual teachings to like, you know, four or five different churches or four or five different types of, um, you know, religions or what you go out and search for as an assignment. And that was helpful too. And it gave you an opportunity to find out what's out there and actually do some, you know, homework on it and feel what actually came to you. So that's all. Awesome. Thanks Thanks for for sharing. sharing. And we got Barry up here, coming right at you. Hello, recovered alcoholic. My name is Barry. What hey, Barry. And I love that this uh, this twenty word paragraph has has prompted a lot of discussion. I think it's great because we're talking about the very beginning of the journey here. You know, steps one through three. When we have seen, okay, my way does not work literally and figuratively dead end you know we're talking and using the word could you know this could happen to me where where i am relieved of the obsession to drink alcohol alcohol is no longer you know all almighty and powerful over me and my life could possibly become manageable again and uh, i'm thankful that you know i found this group and through which i found uh, my sponsor who is still on that ride you know if you look at a line in an amusement park you're standing in line, and if you've got one ride over here where, you know, leading to nowhere, leading to death. And then this ride, my sponsor is still on and guides me through the rest of the steps. You know, we're talking about one through three here. And the use of the word could, you know, just brings me back to that point of desperation where I knew that what I was doing was not working. And, yeah, the, the three-letter word, you know, that we use so frequently in God is intimidating and scary. But... It could work, and I know that that is a fact because I see people who are still on the ride, and it's working with them. So it's just encouraging to me. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks Thanks for for sharing. sharing. One more on the hotness. Um, I'm going to make this quick. I'm Ryan. I'm alcoholic. What's Ryan? Um, Hey. um, So the word that keeps sticking out to me here is conception. Um, and conception to me is like an idea or an opinion. And I'm pretty sure that even before I came into this program, I probably had a conception of God that just didn't work for me. And I think something that I got from this program is creating another conception of God that would work for me. So, I mean, you know, I can see why people can get hung up on this. Um, but I don't, I think it's just like changing an idea. You know, I don't really think it's as tough as we're making it seem to be. So that's all I've got. Thanks for sharing. 
the whole your own conception of God is what, what actually got me into the rooms. Um, yeah, so. And it's going to say in the next, uh, in the next paragraph, too, it's, it's only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. So it doesn't define what that power is, right? So it kind of meets, it meets us where we're at. And I, uh, that's two paragraphs ahead. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. <laughs> should, should we read it? All right. Should we uh, get this next one? Uh, how did that suggestion hit Bill? Um, that statement hit me hard. Nice. Thank you. That was the best delivery all night. What melted? It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I've lived and shivered many years. <laughs> Bill then stood where? I stood in the sunlight at last. Okay. Awesome. This is open for comments. Anybody had the, the, the moonlight at last? Anybody had the icy intellectual mountain melted? Wants to comment on that? Anyone lived and shivered under an icy intellectual mountain? You got one up front? <laughs> okay, sweet. Just saying early. Me too. Absolutely. All right. Anyone, anyone else before we get on to the next paragraph? Okay. Oh, we yeah. have one. Um, my name is Blake. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Blake. Um, for me, when it came to the icy intellectual mountain, it wasn't really that I was like, smart or anything it was more that i like was intellectualizing not to cross talk but like what kelly said about intellectualizing like the whole process um going through it i would try to like rationalize or reason with my spiritual awakening rather than just accepting it like they say sometimes quickly sometimes slowly and mine's more of like a slow spiritual awakening and it's so much easier when you just decide to like open your heart and your mind to something that's greater than yourself. I mean, for me, it's God, but that's, that's all I have to say. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Anyone else? All right. Next paragraph. What must we be willing to believe? It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. What more is required to make a beginning? Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. When does spiritual growth begin? I saw that growth could start from that point. What, does, what is the foundation of success in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous? Upon a foundation of complete willingness, I might build what I saw in my friend. Note, do you believe you have the complete willingness that is required to be successful in this program? Did Bill decide he would have it? Two sentences. Would I have it? Of course I would. Got him. All right. This uh, paragraph is open for comments, questions, experiences. Well, I think there's been some good, good things shared on this already. You know, just um, I don't have to know what I'm praying to. I don't know, have to have a conception of God even. I just have to be willing to say the words sometimes and go through. Sometimes it is going through the motions. And uh, uh. Awesome. Should we continue on? We'll keep going. Okay. Of what was Bill then convinced? Thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. 
What was Bill at long last able to do? At long last, I saw, I felt, I believed. What fell from his eyes? Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. What was he then able to see? A new world came into view. Common in the book says, here's where Bill took step two as we now understand it. Of course, it wasn't laid out as step two at this time. Uh, next paragraph, or we can comment on this paragraph. Got it. We got one. There you go. Recovered alcoholic Mike Chase. Hey, Mike, Mike Chase. Chase. When I get this, when I read this part, I, I always like to like go back and see what was going on in Bill's before they edited out what was really going on. Abby had come and visited Bill and thrown him at this "Give Your Life to Our Lord and Savior" spiel, and um, Bill sort of fought back at that, didn't like it, but he. At that later that day, he just kicked Ebby out of his house because he felt so offended that how dare you come and try to sell me this stuff. But he started going to the Oxford group to check it out. He wanted to see what was truthful to this. So by second step, he's going to the Oxford group. He's seen a bunch of homeless sots, incredible drunks who are staying sober on a day-to-day basis. And he's jumping into it. He's loving it. He's showing up drunk. He's doing the tambourine shanking. He's having a great time. But he still continues to get drunk and shows up drunk. It wasn't until somebody suggested, why don't you just stop drinking for a while and give this thing a, a chance is where this actually started to work with him. So he, he did not jump 100% in until like coming to an AA meeting, seeing a bunch of us who have found sobriety through a relationship with our own God of understanding. And then he was willing to follow through with the work. But up until that point, he was still pushing back, very leery of it. So, Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely how I got my hope. It was first one sober drunk that uh, God put in my life via Craigslist as a roommate. And then, uh, you know, eventually I found a whole group of you people that were uh, talking about peeing the bed out loud and recovering from this thing uh, called alcoholism. Uh, uh, serious. First meeting. <laughs> Anyone else? Got one? Okay. I think we're, we're back to Q&A. All right. Love Q&A. Uh, do, do, do. What did Bill, Bill then realize about the doggerel on the old tombstone at Winchester Cathedral? The real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me. For a brief moment, Bill had needed and wanted what? For a brief moment... I had needed and wanted God. When Bill was willing to call on God, what happened? There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. Note, have you ever found yourself in deep trouble and tried to make a deal with the God of your understanding? (laughs) Did God fail you? Did you keep your end of the bargain? What ended Bill's feeling of the presence of God? Uh, But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly calamities, clamors, most of those within him, myself. How long and what kept Bill from being able to sense that presence again? Two sentences. And so it had been ever since, how blind I had been. All right. Does anyone want to share their experience? Here we go. Hey, I'm Ryan. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Ryan. Ryan. I really I like this paragraph because I feel like this is one of those parts in the story where like, you know, I can kind of gauge where I am with my, my spiritual living. 
because um, if this paragraph makes me feel a little uncomfortable, then I know I'm probably not doing the right stuff or doing what I should be doing. Um, you know, I, I had an experience of being able to go out with my pastor for coffee a couple of times, and I remember talking to him about um, how I thought, like, the Old Testament people had it, like, really easy um, because, you know, like, Noah, like, here's the voice of God telling him to build a boat. And, like, Moses has this, like, burning bush that talks to him. Like, I'm, like if a bush talked to me, I'd probably listen to it. Um, and, like, without <laughs> skipping a beat, though, he was like, yeah, but how many burning bushes have you walked past? And I was like, oh, great. Yeah. Man, this is just great. Um, so, but, like, it's true, though. Like, I, I, there was one point where, like, I noticed, like, when I was doing my morning devotions, in between each devotion that I would do, I would sit there and check Facebook. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing my morning devotions. No, I'm not, because I'm not leaving any room there for God to show up if I'm not even involved in it for two minutes at a time because I have to check Facebook in between or like, oh, I don't even have time to do it today. I have to get to work. I'm in a rush or like whatever other worldly clamors are going to come up. So this I, I really like this paragraph. I just think it's a really good gut check on where I stand with my relationship with God. And if it's just a one way street or if if I'm actually involved in it, or if I'm just, you know, when I get down on my knees and pray, I'm talking to God, but am I listening for what God has to say back? Um, so that's all I've got. Thanks, Ryan. That's for sure. I got a buddy back home where I got sober that used to say, thank God I, I, I never had a burning bush moment because I'd have probably tried to smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone what? else? One thing, one thing I notice here is, um, well, in the, next, in the next chapter, and there's a solution, we meet Dr. Carl Jung, and above Jung's desk, it said, uh, there's a saying, God is present, invoked or not. So that kind of connects with this, where he says the sense of his presence had been blotted out. His presence is never blotted out. It's just the sense. I can't see his presence because of the worldly clamors, the pomp, the worship of other things. For me, well, Ryan, what Ryan shared really hit me hard because I, I was reading a devotion, I was praying, reading a devotional, meditating, and then just surfing through Instagram and getting to work like two minutes late. And uh, it's like, what am, I, what am I really doing there? Am I just doing time in my prayer and meditation and then to do what I really want to do? And so I deleted that a couple of days ago um, with a friend of mine. But it's, uh, that's one worldly clamor. There's plenty of them. I don't know. Anyone else have anything on this? Should we continue? Mike Chase, want to share about clamors? Yeah, did you? Did you want to share? Did you? Just quick, it, it's it's a sneaky warning because I was raised cool with God and Jesus and all the churchy stuff, and, and then then other stuff got more excited, you know, doing stuff I'm not supposed to do, and that God took the back seat. In recovery, how often do people get really into the God thing, get into the daily meditation, get into, and then comes the high paying job or the really cute girlfriends or the cute boyfriends, or the vacations, or the, the new cars, and where is our program in relation to, so we can work backwards just the same way. Mm-hmm. Put stuff in front of this newfound, and that would go out and drink. Thanks for sure. Um, next paragraph. Uh, what happened at Towns Hospital? At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Oh, there's another question. Why did Bill believe it was a good idea to go to Towns Hospital? Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of delirium tremens. There's a comment in the book. Bill entered the hospital on December 11th, 1934. 
remembering that Dr. Silkworth predicted that Bill would die of a heart attack during DTs or become a wet brain. And this is now Bill's fourth detox. Anyone here ever been to detox more than one time? Okay. All right. You're in good company with Bill. This is also his last detox. Anyone want to uh, share on this paragraph before we move on? Awesome. Uh, next paragraph. What was the first thing he reported doing at the hospital? Three sentences. There I humbly offered myself to God, as I then understood him, to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly, unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. Note says step three. Next question. He ruthlessly faced what and became willing to have what happen? I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away, root and branch. I've not had a drink, though. Note in the book says step six and seven. Comment, Bill made this decision on the afternoon of December 14th, 1934. So three days later uh, in detox, turns out he's doing what we now know as step work. How dare he not do his 90 and 90 first? Uh, the question is, by, by taking the steps as we now understand them, was Bill successful in sobriety? Um, I have not had a drink since. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Bill lived another 36 years and never returned to drinking. All right. We got, we got a sharer back here. Ooh. Hi, I'm Jessica again. Hi, Jessica, again. So this same wise teacher taught me about um, sin um, and what sin really is. You know, um, it's actually back in the day when they used to shoot the arrows into, you know, the mark. You know, so this guy would stand next to the big um, target, correct, and when the guy who was shooting the arrows missed, he would say sin, right? Am I right? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like... It's an archery term. This in the mark. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> what did Bill share with Abby? My... My school visited me, and I fully acquainted him with all my problems and deficiencies. Note in the book says step five. What list did Bill make with Ebby's help? We made a list of people I'd hurt or towards whom I felt resentment. Note in the book says step four and eight. Uh, was Bill willing to make restitution? I express my entire willingness to approach these individuals, admitting my wrong. Step eight. Uh, did Bill intend to make restitution two sentences? Never was I to be critical. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. Step nine. This paragraph is open. Oh, okay. You're way ahead of me. All right, so here we are. He's in detox, right? As many of you notice, the, uh, the books here have the checkered uh, tape on them. 
with the uh, suggestion for the real alcoholic that these steps should be worked quickly, right? Um, Because who am I as a sponsor to determine uh, how quickly or how sick you are? And I need to get you to God as quickly as possible uh, so that you can help us in the trenches uh, carry this message to the next alcoholic. Bill is in detox, and he has already started what we now know as step work, but he's really doing the um, concepts from the Oxford group, which I believe their program of action had six-ish steps, if I'm not mistaken. That's what I've heard. Any, anybody else been to treatment a couple times? You know, I, I really re- relate to what you're saying, Rob, and I feel you about that, because when I, when I went to treatment, I built up such a, a sense of pride and like self-worth it wasn't justified, though. I felt like, yeah, you know, I'm good. I'm going to go out there and just tackle all my problems. And, yeah, we got to get th- through these steps quick. Like, if I was still shaking and trembling the way that I was on day one, on day 90 when I left, then maybe there's a little more desperation, you know, because our mind tricks us. The recuperative powers of the ego. So. Mm. It's like the back of the toilet bowl, right? As soon as we flush it out, it just fills back up with yeah. ego. Yeah, uh, it's an upper the, ducker. The amazing recuperative alcoholic <laughs> ego. Yeah, Yeah, my sponsor recognized (laughs) that he had a very small window where I was willing to do these things uh, that might some normal people might think is crazy or alcoholic people think is crazy. And he knew that if we waited too long, then that, you know, that gift of desperation that we already spoke about would would go out the window and I might squander my chances at recovery if I didn't get through these steps. You know, if I get a little bit of money in my pocket, if I get that new job, if I get that new girlfriend in the rooms and like. You know, hey, yeah, this not drinking thing is not too bad. Like, eh, these steps can wait, right? If I'm the real alcoholic, ultimately, if I'm untreated, I'm going to drink. You know, so thank God for, for good sponsorship. So do we have time to finish the QA? Should we, should we try to power through with the QA? Let's power it. All right. Well, we can at least <laughs> no. get these next uh, couple paragraphs. I heard here. some no's. All right. It's got a bunch of naysayers in the audience. <laughs> what did Bill do to test his thinking? I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. Step 10. As a result, what did Ebby tell Bill would happen to his thinking? Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. What was Bill to do when in doubt? I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Step 11. Uh, next one's a two-parter. How often did Ebby tell Bill he could pray for himself? Is there an exception to the never? Never was I to pray for myself, except as my requests bore on my usefulness to others. Did Ebby tell Bill that prayer and meditation could be practical and productive? Two sentences. Then only might I expect to receive, but that would be in great measure. <laughs> nice. That's wonderful. Let's do the next paragraph. Uh, Ebby promised Bill that once he had taken the steps, as we now know them, Bill would know two things. What were they? My friend promised when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator, that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. Not just the alcohol problem. Interesting. What did Abby tell Bill were the essential requirements for real success in sobriety? 
belief in the power of God, plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things with the essential requirements. Requirement. All right. I think we can share on this, and then we are going to have to wrap it up. Anyone care to share on those last couple paragraphs that we just read? <laughs> well, I just think it's... We have validation. I just think it's interesting that, that he's saying to maintain the spiritual experience. Like, we can have the spiritual experience from doing the steps, but we got to do... What, what does it say that we got to do to maintain it? Well, we have belief, and there's belief in God plus willingness, willingness honesty, and humility. So there's the elements, and those make up the way to maintain that spiritual condition. Yeah. Yeah, I love, uh, it says it multiple times throughout the book, uh, where this new way of living answers all of our problems, right? Not just our alcohol problem. And uh, that's that's as much as, you know, I'm willing to give those things to God, right? Uh, As much as I want to keep my will and control certain aspects of my life, then um, I will reap the consequences of that, and they are normally not good. So, uh, anyone else? Quick one? All right. Yeah, we got, we got a quick one? Okay. Yes. Let's do it. Put a bow on it. There you go. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a friendly greeting. All right. All right. I like it. <laughs> Let's give it up for Grace for being our reader tonight. From A Vision for You, page 164 in the fourth edition, God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do between checking Facebook uh, each day for the man who is still sick. That was for you, Ryan. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but you obviously cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. It is the practice of the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group to, for group member sponsors to introduce their new sponsees or anyone that's here tonight that's a member of AA uh, that wants to introduce a uh, new sponsee to the family. Um, you are free to come up and present them with a sponsorship medallion. Any takers? Embarrass some new blood? No? Is, is anyone celebrating a year or more of sobriety that would like to pick up a medallion? All right, come back next week. Is there anyone in need of a big book sponsor? You can raise your hand and or... Anybody not have a sponsor? Anybody? Yeah. If you're... T- very cool. We got, we got right, one. We'll make sure we get uh, with you after the meeting. Uh, and also, if you're too embarrassed or don't want to raise your hand, feel free to contact any uh, group member that had their hand up as a recovered alcoholic. All right. And if you'd like to become a member of the home group, please just join us after the meeting. You can fill out a membership card. Can all home group members raise your hands? Very nice. We will see you right after this to help tear down the room. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. We hope to see you next week or Thursday. Thursday is our Alcoholics and God Step Series Workshop. That starts at 715. Is that downstairs in the Fellowship Hall, or is that going to be up here? 
downstairs in the fellowship hall, 715. This Thursday, we got Doc H. He's starting the step series. Step one, same guy that's doing the big book study at 4D right now. Um, it's, he's an awesome speaker. He's an awesome guy all around. And I hope you guys come and check him out. I know I will. We have a lot of Doc fans in the room. Please wait until you are at least 75 feet away from the doors uh, to vape and or smoke. And if you are one of those little vapey dragons, you do have privilege up here if you're going to um, help us uh, set up the room again. You can come right out here on the balcony. But we do share this building with lots of lovely people, so please be respectful of those people. And uh, stick to the designated smoking areas on the corner of the building and or very far away on the beach. <laughs> Should we close the meeting seated with the Lord's Prayer? Let's do it. Whose Father? Our Father, who art in heaven, be
Here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Time in my life 
fields are green now, growing vines. They twist and turn each way, flowers blooming all the time right outside my door. Never before. I had to change everything to realize that today is the best day of my life. song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.